Hey, what is going on, everyone? It's me, Mr. Mario, and welcome back to another episode of Mario's Minute. In case you do not know, this is a podcast I do here monthly in two different forms. First of all, I do it on my YouTube channel, Mr. Mario 2011, uh, in a video form, of course, but there's not all too much going on visually. Uh, there's just my channel art there and then a cool-looking visualizer. At least I think it's a cool-looking one. And then there's also the actual podcast audio-only format, so you can take this around and listen to it wherever the hell you want to, like an actual podcast. Simply look up Mario's Minute in your favorite podcasting app, provider, or platform, and you should hopefully be able to find it. It's not available on all places, but it's available on most of them. But this is my second podcast, my main one being Mod Chat, where I talk more about modding, new developments, just things that I find cool that are new coming out, being developed and such in the world of console modding that's much more structured. This series, however, I guess podcast, I come on here and just talk about whatever the hell I want to. Sometimes I have a guest on, sometimes I don't, and we just cycle out between month to month. So last month I did have a guest on who was Badger Goodger, and that was a super fun episode, much longer as well too. Uh, and it's funny because typically when I do have guests on, I kind of have a uh, a little bit of an outline of topics that I can refer to. And sometimes we do refer to that, but there's sometimes there's episodes where you know it's almost useless typing it up because we don't refer to it at all. And that's it was one of those episodes last month, so it was a fun one. Uh, but this time around, we are coming in solo, and there's a few things that I wanted to talk about, so we can just hop right into it. First of all, one of the first things being, well, the first thing being uh, that I finally got sick. Uh, I ended up getting COVID. <laughs> uh, thankfully, I've recovered and everything, and I'm not worried about it. Um, I really wasn't worried about it even to begin with there um, when I saw how it was kind of impacting me. But I did kind of want to talk about that, share my experience and everything. So uh, I have been able to bypass it successfully for over two years at this point. Uh, just like everyone else, in March of 2020, I was sent home. Uh, but there was, you know, I have a day job as well, too. And uh, there were times where, uh, personally, myself, um, I have been vaccinated. I did get the first booster at the time. And uh, I remember, like, last summer, for example, I was admittedly pretty unsafe, like just going around to a whole bunch of places with a whole bunch of different people, really not masking up or anything, and I seem to be fine. And the only time that I've gotten sick, aside from this, in the last two years, was actually back in March. Um, I did end up getting a cold, and I had some symptoms and such, and I got it from my brother. And I know he got it from his school friends or some friends that he saw a movie with or something. Uh, but he got sick. After a few days, I ended up getting sick. I was testing him. I was testing myself. Uh, we were both coming up negative every time. So it was kind of one of those things where, oh, yeah, we forgot that the common cold is a thing. And after a few days, I was perfectly fine. So what ended up happening was this ended up... Uh, I got sick. When was this? It had to be, I'm just looking at my calendar here. It ended up being, I guess, at the end of May. Yeah, I remember because it was right after uh, I had that episode with Badger Goodger. That's where I ended up getting sick. Uh, and I know how I got sick as well, too. I ended up going to a concert. And this is actually, 
timeline is I went to the concert a few days later I did that episode with Badger Goodger and quite literally the day after we recorded that's when I started feeling sick uh, so it was a Thursday that I went to a concert and I don't think I felt anything until I think I felt a little bit of something on Saturday evening but it mostly hit me Sunday and by a little bit of something I meant like I had kind of something in my throat my throat just didn't feel comfortable, felt like slightly scratchy or something. Uh, but on Sunday, that's when it ended up hitting me a bit more. And it was weird because it was like every few hours, it was kind of changing. It was like, it felt like there was something going on in my head. And then a few hours later, it was like in my chest. And then a few hours later, it was in my legs. And it was like, it was kind of just whatever it was, was going all over my body. It was a uh, definitely strange and one of those things where I can kind of attest to this when there's people who do say oh yeah you know like I I got sick with COVID and at first I thought it was cold and it's like no no no, this feels different that's exactly how it was to me now thankfully my case was pretty mild but again just kind of sharing my experience here uh, what ended up happening on Sunday was the best way I can describe it is it felt like I had a cold but I was overreacting to the cold and I couldn't stop myself from overreacting. Uh, like, it was at the point where, you know, I felt uh, kind of a scratchy throat, a little bit stuffy. But then I had some other symptoms, too. Like, I was kind of feeling nauseous throughout the day. And I'm like, this is, this is weird. Okay. Uh, and then that night, my girlfriend and I were hanging out. And uh, I'm talking to her. And I just, I noticed, I was like, I was putting some stuff up on my shelf. And I'm just like, I was getting winded. And I'm like, what is going on here? Like this, I, I felt, I, I also felt kind of fatigued, tired. I felt just weaker overall. And I was like, you know, this is just a cold. Like it's fine. I had a cold earlier this year. I'll just kick its butt in a few days. But this was just strange to me because again, I was putting stuff up on a shelf. And like when I was bending down and coming back up, I was getting winded from that action. And it was, I've never had something like that before. Uh, so that was definitely strange. Uh, the nausea, like the nausea, as I said, that was kind of a odd feeling as well, too. Uh, but then the other things were, it just felt like, again, overall, like I was just, oh, I, I was weak. But it's like, I, I even think, I think she even thought I was exaggerating a bit. And I'm like, no, this is, this is how it's feeling. This is what's going on right now. Um, and then also the odd thing, which I, you know, I shared this when I was talking about it publicly as well, too. I also noticed there was something different when just kind of out of nowhere, I started farting as well, too. And it just it, it smelled like death. Like I'll tell you that. Um, but what I did was, you know, that evening I ended up uh, testing and I still test negative. I was doing at home tests. Uh, then I went to sleep. I had to just go to sleep early because I was like, I'm just, I'm tired and I'm just super fatigued for whatever reason, but it's fine. I'm just, I have a cold, but I didn't really sleep very well that night. I kept waking up every few hours. I think I woke up super early in the morning and I knew there was something wrong. I knew there was something different when I woke up and I was starving. Like, it's not that I was hungry. It's not that I kind of wanted to just eat something like I was starving on top of that, uh, my back just ended up hurting a good amount. And my legs, it felt like my legs were just, uh, it felt like I was up running all night. And then I just, you know, 
crashed into bed like 20 minutes before. So that's when I said, okay, uh, there, there's, there's something seriously wrong. And one of my, one of my best friends, uh, he said something years ago and granted his was different. He ended up breaking his finger. And when he went to, I think, I don't remember where he went. I he had to go to a hospital, but I think they ended up mixing up his x-ray and they said that his finger was fine, but it ended up being broken. And the point being is he, you know, he said his finger was okay. Um, well, the doctor said it and he went home and he ended up coming back after like a week or so because he just said, what was it? He was talking about his symptoms and he said something along the lines of, you know, there's something seriously wrong when you are starving, but you're throwing up and you you're and you need to shit all at the same time. Like when you're having all that at once, like that does not make sense. So he's like, yeah, no, there's there is something wrong here. You need to look at this again. And then he went to a different place. They looked at it and it was, oh, yeah, your finger is broken. Y yeah, it's it's been broken for the past week. <laughs> so. What happened was, uh, once I felt that, uh, I woke up, went, uh, went downstairs, grabbed one of my tests, tested, and I got a super faint second line. Like the first line shows the test is working, but the second line, if it shows up, that means you're positive. And it was super faint, but it was just faint enough where I was like, pr pretty much if anything shows up there, that means you have COVID. Uh, so I'm like, damn it. Okay. You know what? I finally got it. Uh, and it was funny because I, you know, told friends, I told some family about it. And at first my family was, they were doubting it like a little bit. Like, it's not like they, they didn't believe me, but they were just like, oh, well, you know, that line is super faint. And are you sure? I'm like, yeah, you're not with me right now. You don't know how I feel. Like, yeah, I, I believe this. I definitely have it. Uh, so what I ended up doing was I just followed CDC regulations, which was for five days, you have to completely self-isolate. And then for five days after that, you can interact with people, but at a distance, stay masked up and all of that. Uh, and by the way, actually, even, you know, for about eh, probably quarter three to even still now, um, I started masking up more often and everything. So I actually got more serious about my masking. Uh, but I even did that at the concert. But it's one of those things you're in an enclosed venue for like three or four hours. And uh, if you're like the 1% of people who is masked up there, uh, it's, you know, there's still a chance that you're going to get it. So that's what happened to me. Um, it was funny because even again, I was talking with family and they were like, well, are you sure you got from there? Are you sure? I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm a hundred fit. I, I know, I know my activity. I know where I go. I know what I do. Uh, I am a hundred like 50% positive that I got it from this concert. <laughs> even, uh, with the venue as well too, they did require either having a negative test to come in or, uh, showing proof of vaccination, but you know, that's still not enough as well too. So, uh, it, it can, it can help certainly, but it's not going to be, you know, a silver bullet to making sure no one's going to get sick at that concert. Uh, but even speaking of that, I did, uh, reach out to people. Like I reached out to the venue. Uh, I went to a shop on Saturday and then I actually had a friend come over on Sunday and I pretty much reached out to all of them and I was like, Hey, uh, so this is what's going on. Uh, I ended up getting, you know, I, I got COVID. And for the venue, I said, I, I know I got it from your venue. Uh, not mad. I'm just making you all aware of it. Uh, the shop, I did let them know. And then my friend, I let him know as well, too. And thank goodness. Thank goodness. I felt really bad about that. But uh, he, he kept testing. He kept testing. And even like a week out, 
uh, he didn't have any symptoms. He kept coming up negative. So thankfully, he did not get it from me, even though he came over on Sunday. And that's when I was, you know, showing a little bit of something. It, he came over during the day and I didn't get bad until the evening. But the point is, I know I still had it at that point. Um, I just didn't know. No. <laughs> um, but as for the recovery for me, honestly, uh, what I did was at one point I used, you know, uh, contactless uh, delivery, I guess, to just uh, get some groceries and such, have them just put them in my trunk. Um and a part of that was getting Theraflu. Uh, one of my good friends ended up, or best friends, like he recommended uh, taking that. So really, it's just what I did. Um, I continued to work because what I was doing, it just, you know, at a desktop. So it's fine. It's not physically taxing, thankfully. Uh, but on Monday, that was probably the worst day for me where I was definitely tired, definitely feeling it. Uh, but really, it was just more... Uh, my friend who recommended Theraflu for me, COVID's kicked his butt quite a bit. So he was kind of, I guess, the subject matter expert and kind of helping to guide me through it. And for me, I was like, you know, this is very much appreciated. But thankfully, mine is pretty mild. For me, it was mostly that first week. Uh, it was I would work. And if I wasn't at work, I would sleep. Those are like the two things I was doing. Uh, and every few hours I'd wake up. So when I would wake up, you know, I'd use the bathroom. I'd take Lily out. I'd make more Theraflu, drink that, go back to bed. Uh, so one nice thing is that I was getting like, you know, 12 to 14 hours of sleep every night. For the first time in years, I don't remember the last time I really did that. Uh, so I did feel a lot more refreshed in that regard. Uh, but at the same time, it was pretty much an entire week where I kind of quit to, I kind of had to just hit the stop button on my life. Uh, so even the week after that was spent doing things that I would typically do, you know, during my week, like chores or things to enjoy myself or what have you. But I couldn't because it's kind of like a week of my life was almost just kind of deleted in a way. It's just like, you know, I had to put that on stop completely. Uh, but it's all good. You know, I used it for recovery time and I did really need that recovery time. Uh, I'm also really thankful. I did have friends and family checking in on me and, uh, you know, making sure I was okay. They were worried a few times because sometimes they would reach out to me and they wouldn't hear back from me for hours. So they try to call me or something. And, uh, I would just tell them like, yo, I'm, I'm sleeping. So I've told people like at the time I said, Hey, I, I really appreciate you looking out for me and, you know, being worried. But if you love me, the best thing you can do after 6 p.m leave me alone please like i'm if i don't get back to you i am sleeping like i need that time and the sleep really did help like i was feeling much better every few hours and especially every day so i was absolutely improving but uh for me i noticed at one point i had pretty much every single symptom uh that if you just like look up covid symptoms so it's like you know like uh, sniffles, coughing, uh, what is it, a headache, fever, uh, loss of taste or smell. Uh, I did have a loss of taste for two days, but each day it was only for like three or four hours at a time. Uh, so that was kind of odd, and thankfully I was able to get it back. Like, everything was all good there. However, um, the only one I did not have was diarrhea. Like that was the only symptom I did not have out of all the typical COVID symptoms. So that was fine. I'm I'm not I'm I'm not looking forward to that is what I'm saying. So it was okay there. <laughs> uh, but either way, like that was pretty much my experience on it. And I would say probably by like 
two weeks in, I was testing negative. I felt like 95% there. And by like three weeks after, you know, initially having it, I felt pretty healed up there. So that's how it's been for me. Thank goodness. Uh, we're all good in that regard. But yeah, I know uh, I did share about on social media and there were people who were, you know, concerned and, you know, sending positive vibes and everything and prayers and all that. And, you know, I, I really appreciate it all. So thank you very much. I, I truly appreciate it. Thankfully, I was able to recover. I just had to do as close to nothing as possible. Thankfully, mine wasn't bad. Thank goodness. Uh, but it also wasn't, you know, a whole asymptomatic thing. It was mild, but I would not recommend getting COVID. I would not recommend people experience it. So that's how it was. <laughs> oh, one uh, on the opposite, though. One good experience, one very good experience I had was uh, after that first week, once I was able to have enough energy to actually do something. So like that first week, I was just completely, you know, wiped out, tired, not doing anything, doing as close to nothing as possible. The second week, I was still wanting to keep to myself, but uh, I had energy to do stuff. So I finally opened up my Xbox Series X. Uh, and I'm saying finally here because at the time I had gotten this system, probably about two and a half months prior. Uh, I'm not going to go into major details. I'm just going to say that uh, this year has been super, super rough for me, and I was not in a great place for a while. So uh, even when I got the Xbox Series X, I got it in March, uh, and it was the type of thing where it's like, you know when you're really down and out and depressed, and it's like something that you've been excited about, you can't get excited for at all? That's what happened to me. Like, I, I got it in the mail. And I quite literally, I remember I took it out the shipping box and I put it up on my kitchen counter and I was like, why did I buy this? Like, I don't even want it now. Like, why did I buy this? But I knew I was going to use it. So what I did was I just, you know, took it to my game room and put it brand new in box, just kept it on the floor there. And thankfully, after about two months of owning it, I felt well enough to open it up. And then I got really, really busy one weekend so I couldn't open it then then another weekend I got super busy then I got sick so for about two weeks after I felt better uh mentally at least for about two weeks uh I still couldn't open up the system just because I was busying myself and I was sick then once I finally got to a better point physically there I finally opened it up I've been using it and you know I'm not even really playing anything new on there it's funny I just uh the thing that got me excited was I ended up getting a Brothers in Arms Hell's Highway. Uh, one of my coworkers mentioned the Brothers in Arms series, and I remembered that game. And I was like, I remember I really liked that game. And I was disappointed to find out that I had sold it years ago. So I found a copy of it on eBay for like nine bucks, picked it up, and I was super content. I was going to play it on the 360. And then I remember backwards compatibility is a thing. And I looked it up, and I was like, wait. It's backwards compatible. Wait, I have a brand new Series X sitting downstairs. I'm going to go ahead and open this thing up. So I finally opened it up, finally hooked it up, and I could have played it on the Xbox One X, but I, I didn't want to. I wanted to play it on a Series console, and I have had a Series S since December, I want to say, um, but I haven't used it all that much just because I still need to finish it. I didn't finish Halo Infinite, 
and any time I wanted to play something on Xbox, it was disc-based, and obviously you can't use them on the Series S, so I was kind of just waiting there. There was even a few times I did not pick up games, because I saw like an Xbox One game for cheap or something, I was like, oh, well, I, I have the Series S right now, and uh, I don't uh, I don't want to play this on the One X. <laughs> So it was, it was always like that for me. Uh, however, I, I have gotten a few games here and there now. Uh, but the point being, Brothers in Arms is what got me to open up the system and hook it up. And then as I hooked it up, you know, I got it all set up and I was like, okay, cool. You know, the interface is the exact same thing as the Series S. Like, whatever, it's fine. Then I remembered, wait, backwards compatibility. Not only that's the whole point I opened this thing up for right now, but... I then looked at my shelves, and I saw my Xbox and my Xbox 360 games, and I kind of looked back at the Series X, and I put two and two together, quite literally. So I, you all, I was like a kid in a damn candy store. I was grabbing games off my shelves for the original and the Xbox 360. I was popping them into the console. I was installing them. Uh, I, did, I did put some new stuff on there. Like, I put Halo Infinite on there. I went through Game Pass. I downloaded a few games there as well, too. Uh, but am I playing Xbox One games or Xbox Series X, like, series games? No. No, I'm not. Uh, I'm really just playing original Xbox and Xbox 360 games, and I, I don't regret that at all uh, because I'm using the console and it's making me happy, so that's fine. But what was the game that I ended up playing? I, again, I, I got this... Well, no, I just got it. Like, I opened it. The thing that pushed me to open it was playing uh, Brothers in Arms, and I did play that a little bit, and certainly not a bad game. Uh, I remember I absolutely loved it, but it's also a certain type of game as well, too, with the gameplay and such. And you can't just hop into it like and just, you know, run and gun as easily. So I was like, OK, uh, let me put this down for now. I Maybe I need to be in the right mood to play it. But the first game I actually played and went start to finish on was the original Max Payne. I, no, I was going to say I don't know why, but I'm pretty sure I know why. I've been the, fa the past few months. I've been thinking about Max Payne off and on, like the game series itself, just how I've appreciated it, how I liked it. And then that episode, the last episode with Badger Goodger on there, where we were talking about Max Payne 3 and the other Max Payne games, I'm just like, damn, you know, I want to I wanna play this again. Uh, not even that one, but there was an episode a few months ago with uh, Colin on there where we did talk about the Max Payne series, although much less, but we talked about it on there. So I had played through them, and uh, I own all of them on Xbox and Xbox 360, but what happened was uh, it was super magical, because this is where, I guess, backwards compatibility, the true appreciation of it clicked for me. Like, I've always been a proponent of backwards compatibility, I've always supported it, I've always won it in consoles, but I just sat there, and see, the original Xbox is my first ever game console that I had. I still have my first ever original Xbox. I still have it. I've even maintained, I've said, when this thing breaks, I'm not going to get rid of it. And thankfully, because the original Xbox scene is so awesome, like, every single fix is documented. So even if my original console breaks, I'm confident I can get it back up and running. And if I can't get it back up and running damn it, I'm going to find someone who can get it back up and running. Like, that thing is not going to die. That is my first system ever. Uh, but the point being on there is that was my first system, and one of the first games that I got for it uh, was Max Payne. It might have been the fourth or fifth game 
that my parents got me for this system. I should not have been playing it at that young of an age, but it looked so cool from the trailers. Uh, I think I rented it. I enjoyed it. And then, uh, for some reason, my mom was cool enough to buy it for me. <laughs> uh, either way, I still have that original copy that was bought in, what, 2002 uh, that my mom got me while I was at school. I still have that. I still have it on my shelf. Never got rid of it. That is the original. I am, I am the only owner of this copy of it. And it was just so cool to me that, yeah, in the other room, I have my first ever original Xbox that I played Max Payne on that same disc. But in 2022, I can get the latest Xbox, put that same disc in there. And even if I can't play it natively, it's going to download a Series X compatible version, and I'll be able to use that disc as an unlock key to play it. And I just I find that to be absolutely beautiful and incredibly pro-consumer as well too because I have right now my series x is full of games and I really haven't had to pay anything for them uh, I have game pass so there's a few games that I've picked up on there but because I've just loaded it with xbox and xbox 360 games these are games that I've had for years that are on my shelf that are good games and now they have all these extra enhancements they're going to i think the original xbox games they do play at native 4k uh i don't remember i know the C the 360 games certain games have auto hdr uh there's also games that uh boost up the frame rate as well too uh so you get all those nice performance enhancements because i've only finished the first Max Payne. I've only finished it once before. I actually used that same game on my first Xbox 360, uh, which that one I do not have anymore because that one just got foobarred essentially. But uh, my first Xbox 360, uh, I played Max Payne on there and it was through the backwards compatibility program. It was mostly fine, but man, that game slow had some real bad performance real bad slowdown when there was a lot of enemies on screen and i didn't have that at all on the series x so that was great uh, but i still love the first one i will acknowledge though uh, it does feel dated first of all when you're playing it on the uh on on series x uh, we'll just do the backwards compatibility program there. Uh, it is in 4x3. It's not a widescreen presentation. So, you know, that, that, that takes away from it being a bit more modern. It would have been nice that it could have been updated, but it's all good. It's fine. Uh, performance, fantastic on there. I really didn't have any issues with it. Uh, but even just, like, playing the game, it... Hmm. It's, it's definitely not 3D Realms' first game. I know that. But it feel how do i say it feels like the first max Payne game it feels like the first game in a series where like okay they're still working things out they are still working out you know the the world itself they're still working out the controls and everything like that's all still kind of being ironed out i know one of my friends had said uh that it plays best on pc and it was just designed for that and i will acknowledge that and that's even another thing too you can tell it's like oh this was a pc game from 2002 that was ported over to console when console porting was still kind of a new thing and people weren't really doing it properly there. But they certainly did a valiant job. And the thing that really does help out with it is the uh, the aim assist is incredibly strong on this. So uh, that was super helpful. But I have to say, I, I absolutely love the first game. Uh, there's just, there's scenes from it. There's lines from there that are just burned into my memory. And despite the jank despite feeling the age on it i 
absolutely love the first one. Now, the second game, I don't remember that much of. I remember that's a game I also only beat one time, and it was actually in, in one week I finished all three games. I was just burning through them. Uh, but it was like, I think within two days, I finished the first Max Payne. Within 24 hours, I finished the second Max Payne. And the third one did take three days, maybe, something like that. Uh, but either way, I was playing through them, and when I went on to Max Payne 2, I've always said, like, people seem to say Max Payne 2 is just so much better and it was a lot better than the second one and people say it's like their favorite game some people say it's their favorite game of all time and I just remember I I did two serious playthroughs of it uh one time I played it on the 360 like right after I finished the first one and I got like halfway through the game and I got stuck and I just I, I remember I wasn't really feeling it that much compared to the first one uh then the, I played it again before Max Payne 3 came out and I don't remember that much from it. Uh, I remember, I always remember that the second game is good. But like, here's the thing. I love the first Max Payne. I love the third Max Payne. The second one I thought was like good. Um, it's not a bad game. It's just, it was good to me. So this is even the nice thing after playing it so many years later. And now even just looking at it as more of an adult and looking at it in a more mature light. I have much more of an appreciation for it. I do think it's a great game. I think it is an excellent sequel. Like, that is a sequel done right. Um, but how do I say? It's, uh, you can tell where they were going much different on it. Uh, where the first one, I think I like it because the first one, it's it's so dark. It's so gritty. Um it's so direct in your face. It gets demonic and scary at times. It's an incredibly twisted game. The first one's very twisted. The second one uh, is more mature in terms of themes, in, in terms of kind of telling a messed up love story in there as well, too. Uh, and they went much more cinematic in the second one. You can tell that is definitely what they were pushing, what they were aiming for. Uh, they Gameplay-wise, tech-wise, they did everything better the first one um but for whatever reason i just i like the writing more well on they, they did better than the first one but like i like the writing on the first game more than the second one i think a part of it is just because for some reason and this is just my personal opinion for some reason the lines the quotes the dialogue and everything in that first game just hit so much harder to me and it's just so much more memorable while it's the second one you know it's enjoyable it fits into the story and everything but i just it, the, the first one just really hits me that much harder and i can't quite put my finger on it but that's just how i have to describe it so the first one i i like a lot more um but the second one there like still great game still very fun to play through uh definitely a sequel incredibly well done then there was a huge break between the two and this is even there was even news of uh there's going to be a max Payne one and two remake remaster type thing going on uh that was announced that kind of broke the internet for a little bit because the website that was announcing it quite literally went down from all the traffic that was going to it so i feel like i was going to say if they took all the technical enhancements they put into max Payne 2 and slipstream them into max Payne 1 i think max Payne 1 would be just like a perfect game 
and it just it wouldn't even compare to the second one for me so maybe this is their opportunity to do that i guess we'll see and i am looking forward to that remaster remake type situation but then the third game came out years and years later and this again a, a game i've only finished one time in my life um i got it on launch and it took me about five days to finish it back then and this is the uh <coughs> excuse me oh that cough was i was trying to hold that back but i couldn't for like 30 minutes either way uh i played max Payne 3 but this was the thing i also noticed with all these games i felt like i was like years ago when i was playing them i was very much enjoying them but i was getting through them just to get through them but this time around, I was spending less time on them. I was getting through them faster, but I was also taking in much more detail with it and messing around more and looking at the environment more. So it was this kind of odd conundrum because I also noticed, I'm like, well, wait, I feel like as I get older, I'm supposed to get kind of worse at games, especially because, you know, I'm getting out of practice. I don't play as often as I used to, but I'm like, this is weird all these games also feel much easier to me now. Like, that's not typically how that works, so I thought that was strange. But uh, Max Payne 3, because of how I was, I guess, it had a very unintended consequence. I remember, I always remember, like, a few sections of Max Payne 3 that just kind of burned into my brain, and I always remember recommending it. I always remember thinking it was a excellent game, but... I, I couldn't remember that much detail of what happened. Like, if someone brings up, oh, do you remember this map or this map or this or this or this? I'd, I'm, I'm like, I, I, don't, I don't remember most of the details from the game. And I remember now, because I, I looked at, like, the dates that I unlocked my achievements originally. And I had to look back at my life, and I was like, wait, I was going through a really bad time back then. Because the game came out, like, May of 2012. Uh, and that was, like just after my first year of college at the time i was a computer science major that was not for me so i actually about half a year later i end up in 2013 i switched majors and uh excelled at that point but computer science i was i was not failing it but i was doing incredibly poor in there uh and i was just super stressed out and i just remember not being in that that not being a great time in my life uh and even looking back now it's like you know is this going to be a depressing episode? I don't know. But I was like, you know, I had to be depressed then because it's like, I don't remember that much. As I don't really remember that many details. The details that I do remember from the game are I remember playing multiplayer, which is nice because uh, multiplayer is dead now. Unfortunately, like it's disabled. You can't even play multiplayer at all. And I remember the beginning sequences, uh, the, like the first level or two, because I played that a few times because I did a review of Max Payne 3 years ago, gave it a glowing review on there. And I remember like two other sections of the game. I remember Max going to New Jersey, like in the graveyard. And I remember the airport level when the song from Health is playing, like the one that was used in the promotional material, like that was playing. Those are Those are the sections of the game that I remember. What I'm saying here is, it's nice to play it now because not only I have more appreciation for it 10 years later, but because I forgot like 90% of the details from this game, it was like I was playing it for the first time. <laughs> so whenever there was a plot twist, whenever there was a surprise, whenever there was something crazy that happened, I was screaming, I was hollering, I was freaking out. And Max Payne 3 is phenomenal. 
and what I'm going to say here is uh, it's not to put the game down, but it's just, it's so weird with it. The game plays so differently than the other two. Uh, even the way the cutscenes are unfolding and just the, how the plot unfolds and how everything happens, it's a much longer game as well too because, well, there's actual cutscenes this time around. It's not just, you know, comics. It's not just even a short cutscene like you see in the first two games. Uh, they are five to ten minute sections and many times you can't skip them because the game is it uses that cutscene to load the game in the background there's a lot of loading that's happening so that's also why it's like max Payne 2 i beat it within 24 hours but max Payne 3 it took me maybe three days or so to finish that game uh because it's a long game it's it's quite good it is quite good it's it's excellent but it plays so differently and even the writing on there is different as well too but it just it plays so differently to the point where it doesn't even feel like a max pain game compared to the first two it feels like an incredibly well done fantastic third person shooter featuring the character max pain because it's even to the point where if someone wants to play the max pain games and they jump in to max pain 3 there's no issue with that uh there is enough context that's provided and enough that is explained that you can pick up what happened in the first two games. And even so, if you played the first two games, like I went from one to two to three, right back to back to back from each other. And the only things I really gained from playing those games is there were references to the previous ones. That was about it. Uh, but like it didn't have flashback scenarios it didn't have you know remastered cutscenes. it didn't even have like the comics that were uh, that that was displayed in the first two games to you know share the plot line and such on there uh so even just for example like little things such as uh when max Payne at one point kind of a spoiler but you know the games are 10 15 20 years old now at this point which is scary to think that the newest game is over 10 years old, but either way, uh, at one point, Max, there is a level where he goes to New Jersey, or I guess he's flashing back there. It's kind of telling a little bit of the story of how he got to where he is in Max Payne 3, uh, but he's in a graveyard, and there are a few graves that you can visit, and these graves that you can interact with are characters from the first two games and it will like show the gravestone and it shows the character's name and max will talk about it a little bit and that is like the most that happens there so it's kind of one of those things where if you've played the first two games it's like oh okay like i yeah i remember that character but if you haven't played them it's like oh okay this is a character that max has some history with so you you can go in completely blind if you've never played the first two you can jump into max pain three and what I'm saying is you won't have, you won't feel like you're really missing out on anything. I'm pretty confident in saying that. And I've even seen it demonstrated because uh, one of my best friends from years and years ago, we're still best friends, of course, but like years ago when he, when we were living in the same town, one night he was about to leave my place and he was kind of looking at my game collection. He was like, oh, Max Payne 3, I've, I've heard of that. Is that a good game? And I'm just like, what, you haven't played this game? He's like, no, I've never played any of the Max Payne games. And I remember, I think I had the disc somewhere else, but I took it off the shelf. I took the discs. I put them in there. I just gave him the case. I'm like, don't come back until you finish that game. He's like, well, are, are you sure? I'm like, yes. Like, do me a favor. Take that home. Play it. Don't come back until you finish it. And it's funny because he, he played it. He was telling me about it. 
Um, <laughs> I I don't think he actually I don't think he texted me about it at all. But then Fourth uh, of July, we had a get together. Uh, I invited him to a friend's place that we were meeting at. And I just remember, like, we were in my friend's basement, and all of a sudden, my friend, he just, like, he grabs my shoulders and just shakes. He's like, oh, my God, Max Payne, I got to tell you about this. And it just, it blew his damn mind. It blew him out of the water. And he is a person who, he did not play any of the Max Payne games. He didn't know anything about them, but he jumped right into Max Payne 3. And when people say it's one of the best games ever made, like, it seriously is. So, uh, it was, it was great. Uh, even with this on uh, Series X playing through it there, I really didn't run into any issues with it. I think, actually, I forgot to say, the only issue I ran into with backwards compatibility and all of them was I noticed Max Payne 2 had the most issues. I think in maybe the first one, there was like an audio issue. The second one, there was one or two audio issues. I think maybe one visual issue. Um, at one point, I did have to... The game soft-locked on me. Um, like... I loaded up a checkpoint, I messed up, I went back to load it up, like load that checkpoint up about two seconds later, and the game started loading back in, and it just stopped loading, and I let it sit there for like a minute, which is a really long time, because on, on the Series X with the SSD on there, the load times are like two or three seconds, especially on these old games like this, so that was easy enough, though, all I did was I closed out the game, reopened it, didn't have the issue again, so overall, it was a pretty seamless experience and i would dare i say even i've i've had more issues with these games back in the day than i did now so that was nice as well too but yeah what can i say max Payne is uh max Payne's the goat man max Payne's awesome <laughs> um speaking of uh some you know speaking of some more game related stuff as well too i ended up getting bitten with a new modding bug i I have a little bit of a sickness, you all. <laughs> it's, it's not just COVID. It's not like a cold or anything. Uh, I have seen Game Boy mods, right? And I've started modding up a few Game Boy systems. Now, I did two. I've, I've done one before, but pretty recently, I did two of them. And it's now resulted in me buying kits for all of my Game Boys, and they're coming in the mail, so I'm going to have to wait a few more months because, you know, I'm just importing them from China, but uh, I end up doing two of them. Now, I went to a swap meet at one point, and I bought a Game Boy, like the original, the, the brick. I bought the DMG model from there, and I was surprised to see these things went up in price. Like, if I... I looked on eBay, for example, if I want to find one working stock and in like good condition, I have to pay like 80 or 90 bucks for it. Uh, so I was seeing all these. and I was like, damn, like the Game Boy is really that expensive now. Oh, OK, let me get some water real quick. Oh, excuse me. So I did find one, though. I found a DMG. There was a seller who had it at their table and it was for thirty dollars. And it said lines on it. So I was like, hey, what's going on here? So he popped in a game, he fired it up, and there was just vertical lines, like, all over the screen. And I went back and forth on this. Like, I I probably walked past this booth maybe five times. I was thinking about it. And uh, I looked into it as well, too. And th this is a notable problem. And you can fix it pretty easily from what I've seen. Uh it doesn't seem all too hard. It's just you take the Game Boy apart. You need to um, get to the screen 
you need to remove a little bit of adhesive, and then you pretty much just need to reflow the pins on the screen itself. You need to take a hot soldering iron, take a little bit of solder, and just reflow the pins, just slowly kind of massaging them back and forth. And after a few minutes of that, if you do it carefully and properly, you should have a perfectly working screen again. Uh, so I was thinking of possibly doing that. But I also looked and I saw that entire mod kits for the original Game Boy uh, were not that much. I ended up getting one off AliExpress, which was a IPS screen with a full shell, fresh, uh, what is it, uh, fresh buttons and uh, fresh rubber pads for the buttons for like $55. That was before tax. So I kind of looked at it. I said, you know, 55 let's round up $60 for this, uh, $30 for the Game Boy. Yeah, I think this will be a fun project, like $90 overall for a modded DMG. I think that will be, you know, fun to mess around with. So I decided to buy it. I was like, you know what, I'm going to take my chance. At least it works. I'll buy it. The only other issue was that uh, whoever owned it before let the batteries corrode in there something fierce. Like, it wasn't just that, like, the terminals were green. It's like they were blue and fuzzy. Like, it looked like Cookie Monster sneezed in there or something. So, I ended up cleaning up the terminal super well. The console was still working. Uh, turns out I didn't even have to do that because when I reshelled it, the uh, the terminals and connectors on there, uh, just there were brand new ones in the new shell because all I needed was the motherboard. But that's what I ended up doing. I got the shell. I got the, um, you know, the screen and everything. And, you know, I have to say, this is going to be my recommendation going forward now at this point. If I, I get a lot of people, I'm sure you all listening can imagine, I get a lot of people asking me, hey, uh, I want to kind of get into hardware mods. I've done these soft mods. They're cool. Like I've soft modded a Wii. I've soft modded an Xbox. Uh, but I want to do something hardware. But, you know, I, I don't know what, you know, soldering iron to get. I don't know what solder I should get. Okay, cool. Now, now I ordered this stuff. Uh, but what should I do? Like, should I put in like a ps1 mod chip should i do a ps2 mod chip that looks really difficult what about like an xbox 360 rgh like do you think rgh is a good beginner mod on there this is going to be my recommendation now for anybody who you're kind of afraid you're just you're a beginner you want to get into console mods get yourself a dmg get yourself a reshell and screen kit for it and accomplish and, and successfully accomplish doing that I say this because uh, it is a portable, so mind you, like it's a handheld, so mind you, it's going to be small, but compared to other even full-size consoles, but other handhelds that I've worked on, the DMG, it is incredibly easy to take apart, it is resilient, What there's one that uh, survived a war, like survived like a bombing and everything, and it still works just fine, uh, so they're incredibly resilient, incredibly strong, they are bricks, and because it was made in 1989, it was a different time back then. I, I don't mean that like superficially. I mean like stuff was made repairable. So it is so easy to open this thing up. And when you get in there, even though it is a handheld, for something that is a handheld and, you know, supposed to be small, everything in there is pretty big. So as long as you have two pretty good working hands and you have the proper, you know, screwdrivers for this, you need a tri-wing and you need a small Phillips head screwdriver, you can rip apart the whole console with no issue. And when you do this, you get a little bit of everything. Uh, you get to do a cool aesthetic mod. You get to swap out the screen. You have to take apart the system. 
you should be cleaning it. You might have to do some maintenance. You have to put it all back together. Um, there's even a little bit of soldering, a tiny bit of soldering that is required, but soldering nonetheless. You do have to desolder the old, uh, well, the uh, speaker. You have to desolder the speaker. It's just two wires. That's it. You solder, you desolder the speaker from the, uh, you know, the old board, and then you have to solder it into the new one. So what I'm saying is there, once you do all of that, if you can successfully take a DMG and shell swap it, case swap it, uh, put a new screen in there, get it all back together and working, that will give you an incredibly awesome vertical slice of everything. You learn how to take something apart, how to put it together, probably even some maintenance, some cleaning because you should be cleaning everything on there uh what else like e even a little bit of soldering you get to flex some artistic skills you have to do a kind of attention to detail with lining up the screen and everything getting the alignment properly set up um you you, you get a good feel for everything and from there you can kind of pivot into what you want to do so if you really like the screen settings on there you can get into you know doing more upgraded screens if you really like the maintenance well you can start maintaining your other hardware if you really liked the soldering for those two wires you can start looking into mod chip installs or you know a few other things that require soldering uh if you like you know the whole reshell type process but you want to make it a little bit your own uh, do what my dude rocker gaming is doing you can get into the world of uh custom like casting and molds of buttons and just crazy awesome amazing artistic abilities right there so that is why i, I that's going to be my recommendation just going forward for anybody who asks me hey uh i got a little bit of money i want to do something like what should i do here plus the cool thing is once you do all of this um if you like the game boy you have an incredibly awesome game boy now in front of you and if you don't like the game boy you can now sell it as a modded DMG. So there's there's not really a, a bad scenario here. Like, that's what I love about this. Uh, there's also a whole ton of extra mods on there as well, too. So, of course, there's, you know, screen repair if you don't want to, you know, replace the screen. Uh, you could even depend, it depends on the screen you want. You could do a bivert mod. You can do a backlight mod. You can do a whole screen replacement, which is like what I did and what I'd recommend as well, too. It's easier and it's better. Um... So yeah, rechargeable batteries. There's the Game Boy modding community is awesome from what I've observed. So I have my own DMG now at this point. I have like a fully modded one. I would say I've been pretty happy with it. Uh, and I did this because uh, it was kind of a little bit of practice for another mod I did here, which this was for uh, my girlfriend's sister. Now, my girlfriend hit me up and she's like hey uh how, how much does a game boy advance with like a backlit screen go for uh because i'm looking these up and my sister kind of wants one and they are uh, kind, uh, they're kind of expensive and i pretty much told her like uh first of all no uh you're not gonna pay someone to do the mod you're not gonna pay for that labor when you're dating me of all people this is what we're gonna do uh, we're going to buy a mod kit, I'm going to look for a Game Boy Advance, and I'm going to do the mod myself. And she was super happy and super thankful for that. Uh, she didn't want to bug me initially, and I'm like, no, like, please use me for this, please. Because also I said, I was like, look, something I enjoy doing, it's fun, uh, plus I get to make a video 
about it as well too. So it's like you're you're helping me out. Um, but what I did was I ended up doing the same thing there. I actually went out and I bought a Game Boy Advance in town, and I didn't realize that I actually had a couple Game Boy Advance systems uh, sitting in my cache of systems. So I, I looked after I bought this one, right? I looked and I found one in terrible shape. It worked, but the front plastic was off. The screen was dusty. Uh, and it is, it should be a crime that the Game Boy Advance released, the original one released with the screen that it did. Because I tried playing Max Payne on there and that you can't see hardly anything on that screen. I was outraged by it. So that that's why the mod is real nice. But uh we end up doing the same thing. So I actually just said I was like, you know what? Hey, we, we got some more money saved. I'm just gonna eat the cost on this Game Boy. And uh the one that I found in my basement here, um I don't even remember buying this thing. And be looking at the condition, I probably bought it at a thrift store for like no more than twenty bucks. And I know I bought it because it worked and it was probably cheap and I was probably going to do something with it, but it's fine because aesthetically the console, like how it looks does not matter to me. In fact, when I was going to a few game shops, there was a few Game Boy Advances I passed up on because they were in, not only they were more expensive, but they were in like excellent shape. And I'm just like, I don't, I don't want to gut one of these. Like, this is in good shape here. I, I really don't want to do that. So when I found one that was in incredibly rough shape, I'm like, hey, it looks ugly, but it works. Boom. That's exactly what I need. Because the only thing I need from this console is the motherboard. That's it. And the motherboard was in surprisingly excellent shape. Like, it wasn't grimy or dirty or anything, so that was fine. Uh, but what I did was I took that apart and, you know, a, a little bit harder than a DMG. Um, for me, because I've soldered enough, it was pretty easy i'm for me at least it was easy enough um but that's why for the dmg i recommend that because even the game boy advance compared to the original dmg everything on the dmg is just so much bigger and much friendlier to work with either way though uh when i worked on the game boy advance uh i took the original one apart it was a glacier one that was in awful shape uh took the motherboard out cleaned it up then i ended up reshelling it now i reshelled it into a delicious looking green system it has brand new buttons brand new like bumpers i guess you can say brand new triggers on there uh brand new uh rubber pads for the buttons as well too and again a beautiful beautiful ips display beautiful like it it looks immaculate i've i've put up pictures of it like on twitter and instagram and seeing it like in person actually using it feeling it, it like it, that's how the game boy advance should have been it is excellent like i i'm very proud of this install i'm super happy with it and soldering on that one was optional uh, although i decided to do it because uh it's only three wires on the ribbon for the uh, mod itself like between the uh, screen and everything else uh there's three breakout pads for left, right, and select. And all you do is you tack three wires on there, you solder them to the proper points on the motherboard. And once you do all of that, uh, you can then use the select button. You hold down the select button and you press the left trigger to uh, decrease brightness and the right trigger to increase it. And there are 10 brightness settings. So it looks great, it runs perfectly. I'm incredibly happy with the results on it. It's actually so good it convinced me to do the rest of my Game Boys because I'm like, damn, well, now I want one of these. 
Like, this is not mine. It's mine to use for the time being until I pass it on to my girlfriend's sister. <laughs> but um, I want one. I, I really want one of these now because this this is too nice not having. Am I going to use it that much? Probably not. But do I want it? Yes, I absolutely want it. It's, it's going to be cool to mess around with. So uh, there's going to be some of those coming here soon as well too. But I've had just such a fun time modding up these Game Boys and messing around with them and uh, just restoring them and doing something super cool with these. I did end up finding uh, one uh, kind of locally. Uh, it was, there was a shop that was selling one. It was actually the exact Game Boy Advance we were looking for. And funny enough, like it, eh, depending on what it was, it, it would have been a little bit less money. Uh, because for me, I ended up paying about $75, $80 for the mod kit, uh, because I got it domestically. I didn't import it and I paid $70 for the Game Boy I was going to use. Uh, but I ended up finding actually the exact color and mod and everything. I found one already pre-modded locally for $120. I did pass on it though for a few reasons. Uh, one was I looked at it and I, was, I wasn't happy with the mod work on there. Uh, first of all, the screen, it had smudges on it. And it was either the glass, like the inside of the glass, or the screen itself, or both. But it looked like it... It looked like somebody cleaned a window with bootleg Windex, and it leaves those streaks. So it was, like, very streaky on the inside. And the shop was telling me, they're like, oh, well, you know, once once you play it, you can't really tell. I'm like, ah, I can still tell. Um, you, you could also tell that the system itself, it was used. Uh, it wasn't, like, super gross, but there was kind of a little bit of, like, a liquid that had dried around the left trigger. And I was like, mm, you know, I'm... If, if, if this is a gift for someone, I, I don't I don't really want to present this to them, you know. Um, and then the other thing was whoever modded it before clearly could not solder or even worse, they soldered improperly because the screen brightness uh, was uh, was not working. Um, I, I tried it and I was just because it's, it's an optional thing that you can do, but I tried it and I could not get the screen brightness to adjust. So even with that, you know, I, I could have gotten it for a little less, but and then, you know, fix up the work. But I'm like, you know, I don't want to clean this up. I don't want to fix it. Also, just kind of as a present type thing. I'm like, you know what? No, it's fine. I'm going to buy the mod kit. It's going to have a reshell. At that point, it's going to be like a fresh, crispy, like it's going to feel like a brand new system for someone. So I think that that makes a better gift for someone, in my opinion, at least. Um, plus, I'm going to be the one working on it. So I'm going to know the intricacy of the mod. I'm going to know the details of what happened in there. Um, I guess the one that was already pre-modded and for sale, it was kind of very much a thing of like, at least you tried. <laughs> like it, it worked, but uh, was it good? Like, no, I, I wasn't, I wasn't happy with the attention to detail on there or the lack of attention to detail. I guess that was just me personally, but yeah. So, there was that. That's uh, the thing that I've been bitten with here recently. I've uh, been loving Game Boy mods, and there's definitely going to be more that I'm going to work on. So I have also recorded some videos for them as well, too. I have no idea when they're going to come out, but uh, I've gotten this stuff documented here, too. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, so, hmm. You know, I'll go ahead and uh, we're, we're getting to the one hour point here. There was another story or two I was thinking of, but no, I think I'm going to do a couple other things instead. Uh, so 
I try and do this if I can on these solo episodes. Uh, I like to tell a story or two from my game store days. For anyone who does not know, uh, for about two, two and a half years, I worked at a, you know, like mom and pop game store. Uh, Unfortunately, it's been out of business for a while, but uh, I worked there from ages 16 to 18, and it was during the heat of the seventh generation. So it was definitely a real fun time to be working there. But let's see, let's see. I'm just kind of looking at my list of uh, what I wanted to share here. So I think there was a this one I'll I'll share. This is about a uh, you know disc being resurfaced. And for anyone who doesn't know, that's like uh, it's if you have a disc that is scratched, uh, not gouged, but like if it's scratched, so on the bottom of the disc, uh, you can actually most of the time run it through a disk resurfacer or like a disk buffing machine they go through different names but typically a disk resurfacer and you can revive that disk and you know make the bottom absolutely sparkle and get rid of most if not all of the scratches on there now i've resurfaced geez probably thousands of disks at this point because i worked there for like two two and a half years also i have my own disc resurfacer as well too it's not as nice as the ones that we used but um it's more affordable it's smaller it does one disc at a time it's fine the the jfg easy pro is some good stuff so uh we had a service back then where not only we would resurface our own discs so if any discs came in that were in you know scratched up bad shape uh we would fix them up before we put them out onto the floor so you you were guaranteed you were going to get a good looking disc and even worst case if you got one it was like scratched up like if we missed it we would we would do it and even if you took it home and it didn't work and you brought it back uh we would try and fix it up and if it still didn't work if you our policy was like within seven days we bring it back with a receipt if it's defective we'll swap it out for the same item if not we'll just give you credit on there but we had a service for this as well too and I want to say it was $2.99 per disc. So if you had a disc, you bring it to us, $2.99, we get you fixed right up. A lot of the popular ones were the uh, Xbox 360 discs that had the Circle of Death on them. Now, if you don't know about this, maybe some people have experienced it and they're getting flashbacks, but if you don't know about this, it works on every single model of the 360. I'm not saying you should do it, but I'm saying this is how it works. You take your disc, you pop it into the console, as the disc is spinning, move the console around, and you will hear an awful noise. And what that noise is, is the laser hitting the disc. And typically when it does that, it gets a perfect circle, circular scratch on the disc. And many times um, it will, uh, at best, make some of that data unreadable, at most, you won't be able to use that disc at all. Like you try and boot it up and it's just not going to work properly. However, that is fixable. A lot of people did break their games that way and they didn't know what to do. But if you know of someone or know a place that has a disc resurfacer, you give it to them, uh, pay whatever you need to. They spend a few minutes working on it. And if they have a good resurfacer, they can actually fix it up. And I say good resurfacer because we knew of some shops that had the same thing where they didn't they they had the service but they didn't really have a uh, a good disc resurfacer for this and we we quite literally knew someone at one point while our shop uh while our resurfacer was out of commission we recommended to friends like hey go to that other place they went there they came back their disc looked worse 
And we're just like, we are so sorry. Um, I mean, what you could do since your disc is already broken, because we knew the guy were like, you know, you could leave it with us. And like, once we get our resurfacer back in and working, we can fix it up for you. And then there's that. And then it looked mint after I'm telling you like mint condition. Um, but either way, there was not much that we couldn't fix. The only things we couldn't fix was top scratches. If you had scratches on the label and you held up the disc to light and you could see through that disc, that data was never coming back. Uh, you can resurface that thing a thousand times and it's never going to get fixed because that data is gone. It's not the scratches, it's the data is gone uh, and any gouges. So typical scratches are fine. But if there was plastic like gouged out of the bottom of the disc, um, you can't fix that either, unfortunately. So either way, uh, what ended up happening was this is actually after I'd worked there. Uh, so I'd, you know, I'd already put in my time and everything, and uh, what would happen was, you know, during some weekends or during some breaks and stuff, uh, I would go to my old stomping ground, and I'd be hanging out there, I'd be talking, I'd be buying a few things, uh, because I was friends with all the employees there, like, they were legitimately my friends, and I enjoyed talking with them, hanging out with them, all that fun stuff, and I would think that they liked hanging out with me as well, too, made their day go by a little bit easier. The point is, there was uh, one family who would come in, uh, twice, uh, both times I was there and it was on different days. Um, but what happened was there was a, I, I want to say it was them. Yeah. I, I I was kind of getting my story mixed up, but no, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was them. Uh, I think they even came in three times, but I wasn't there in like the middle time. So, uh, the first time they ended up coming in, uh, they brought, a disc in and I remember it was like that Disney game like that Disneyland game for connect I can remember what it was uh, and it was a mom and her kids and I just remember at the time uh, I think this is another time the disc resurfacer was out of commission at this store so my manager he was talking with them and they said well you know uh, we we took this over to GameStop because the disc is all scratched up and uh, it was a circular scratch. So they said the disc is all scratched up and we took it to GameStop and they recommended that we come over here because GameStop doesn't fix up discs. And then uh, what happened was my manager said, well, you know, that's, uh, that, that's fine. Unfortunately, we can't fix it for you uh, because uh, our disc resurfacer is broken. And the mom got like really upset by it. And she's like, what? Like, but, but GameStop is, uh, GameStop told us to come over here. She, she kept saying that. And my manager, he was just, he, he was real nice about it. And he was like, well, ma'am, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. We'd, we'd love to fix this for you. Um, but we just, our disc resurfacer, are, it's, it's currently not working. Uh, if you bring it back later in the week, um, we could fix it. But right now we're not able to take it. Unfortunately, we can't fix anything. Um, so I think I even, like, I kind of intervened a little bit, and, because uh, they, they want to know more about the scratch, so I was like, hey, do you mind if I see it? So they handed me the disc, and I remember I looked at it, I was like, oh, yep, and I pointed out to them, I was like, yeah, this is a circular scratch, this is what happened, like, because uh, from what I gathered, uh, this mom, she had a few kids, and there was a boy there who was not very truthful about what happened, uh, and I asked him, I, I think I even asked, like, did you move your Xbox 360, and they said no, and I was like, well, uh, if you move the 360 with the disc in there, um, this is what happens. That I, that's that that's just how it goes. Um, so to me, it looks like that the console was moved while the disc was spinning, and it scratched up the disc. It's just it's it's a defect with the Xbox 360. It's just a problem with it. That's how it works. So she 
I, I guess she kind of kept trying to talk to my manager about this. And my manager just, he was telling her he was being polite. And I think even at one point she kind of asked, she's like, okay, well, what should I do? And he just silently, like he, he was holding the case and he had the disc and he, he put the disc in the case. He closed up the case and he just like put it back on the counter and he just looked at her and smiled and he, he didn't say anything. And for like the fifth or sixth time, she was just like, we well, you know GameStop told me to come over here. And at that point, his smile just dropped right off his face. And he was like, we're, we're not affiliated with GameStop. I don't know. I don't know why they sent you over here. I don't, I don't know why you keep saying that. And she said, well, they sent me here because they said you can fix it. And he's like, and I told you, our, yes, we typically can, but our disk resurfacer is broken. If you'd like to bring the game back later this week, we'll be able to fix it for you. Uh, so she was annoyed, but she said, okay. So I did come back later in the week. I didn't see them again, but I guess in the interim, they did bring the disc back. They got it fixed and it returned. Um, so then what happened was when I was there another night, only the boy comes in, uh, same boy, same game. And he has his receipt. And, uh, you know, my manager should not have done this, but he was nice. He was generous. He decided to do it. So the boy comes back in. He was like, uh, hey, uh, so the disc that you all fixed for me, it doesn't work. And my manager's just like, that, that's no, that's weird. It should work. We fixed it. He's like, well, I, I took it home and I put it in my Xbox and it doesn't work. And my manager takes it out of the case and he looks at it and it was apparently it was quite scratched. And he was like, uh, it didn't it's scratched. It was like, well, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. And the manager's like, well, no, we fixed it. We didn't give it to you like this. Do you remember you, you brought it to us and we fixed the disc. We took the scratches off and we gave it back to you. So it was scratched after we gave it back to you. And this boy was just saying, he's like, well, I, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know. And you could tell, like, we, we all knew what was, uh, what, what was going on. Uh, but my manager was nice about it, and he just kind of looked at it. He was like, okay, we'll fix it for you this one time. Uh, we're not going to do this again. So he didn't charge for it. He took it behind the counter. He fixed up the disc again, waited, you know, about two, three, four minutes. Uh, then he cleaned it, and he showed it to the kid. And at this point, I guess what happened, the kid came in by himself, and then the mom was parking. But uh, during that time, she came back in. And uh, she was talking to him. Uh, she was talking to the manager as well. And uh, he just said, he was like, well, you know, yeah, we, we fixed up the disc. And uh, it did not have any scratches on it. And we gave it back to you guys earlier. But, you know, your son came back in and the disc is scratched again. Uh, so we didn't charge. We're, we're fixing it, you know, again for free. But we're not going to do it again. And she thanked him. And then, you know, he showed them the disc. He showed them there was clearly no scratches on it, that it looked mint, brand new, put it back in the case, gave it to the son. My manager gave it to the son, and within a second, the mom snatched the case from him, and she was like, nope, you are not holding on to this. The last time you did that, it got scratched. Remember what happened? <laughs> it, it, it was something like that. It was something along those lines. But it's just like, it was clear she did not trust this kid with that disc. Um... I didn't see them after that, thankfully. Uh, but this was also a thing where when I was working there at the time, 
I had people, um, I recommended this multiple times because I think in about 2009 or so, uh, the feature to install a disc to the Xbox 360 had rolled out. It was either 2008 or 2009. So sometimes we actually had people who would come in with the same disc two or three times with the same circular scratch. And I would tell them, I'd recommend like, hey, um, because they would start getting annoyed. And I would just tell them like, hey, what you should do when you get home, you should install this to your Xbox 360. And I would walk them through the process. Like I would tell them what to do, or sometimes they called me and I would explain what to do over the phone. Sometimes we even had an Xbox 360 sitting there, like behind the counter. I would even take their disc, put it into the 360 and show them exactly how to install it. All of them appreciated it. And there was a handful of people I did that with. And every single time I did that, like there were people who they brought in their disc for the second or third time. And then after I showed them how to install the disc, they never returned with that disc. So that was nice. Um, uh, would it have, you know, been good if, if we kept getting that foot traffic in and, you know, we kept making $3 off those fixes? I mean, sure, you'd be the judge of it, I guess. But I don't know. I also, I understood their frustration. I was like, look, I, you don't, it's, it's not our fault. Like we're fixing the disc just fine. But I also understand you're frustrated because you probably have to drive across town and come back here whenever you do this. Because understandably, you'd rather pay $3 than $60 for a game, you know, to replace it. So that's what ended up happening there. That was a fun resurfacing story down memory lane, I suppose. <laughs> um, yeah, I think uh, I think that's about it here. The last thing I was going to say was the uh, the games that I've been playing here recently. So getting real quick into this, you know, I uh, I like I said, I played uh, Max Payne 1, 2, and 3. I finished Souls all back to back to back. Uh, currently I'm playing Alan Wake right now. I'm just on like a big remedy type kick of games. So I think even after this, I already have it installed. I'm going to play through Alan Wake. Then I'm going to play through Control. Uh, I've never played Control. So I've had it for a few months now. I'm going to give that a fair shot. Uh, I think there was a lot of issues when it launched and kind of some controversies with performance and such. But at this point, like I got it for pretty cheap. I got the complete edition. I have the PS5 upgrade. So it'll be fun to play it through there. Um, but Alan Wake is, it's simultaneously awesome, like like fantastic and okay at the same time to me. I don't know. That's the best way I can describe it. I can't, unlike the Max Payne games, I can't just sit there and play it and play it and play it. Like I can only play one chapter at a night. Um, I, I do each chapter in a sitting, uh, so it's very well paced with that, but I can only play one chapter a day or one chapter per night. I, I can't really do any further on there, or I guess they're called episodes. But I feel like, because Max Payne 3, it was, it was developed by a whole different team and studio and such. Aside from, you know, the writing stuff, the, uh, the supernatural uh, fighting against the darkness in Alan Wake, I feel like people predicted that Max Payne 3 was going to play something like Alan Wake did which is realistic to think about, but I'm I'm still happy it went the way it did either way. So I'm enjoying it. Uh, and even so, I do like that, because uh, Alan Wake, if you don't know uh, the character himself, he is a writer in this game. Uh, but you can pick up on this. You, you can hear the inspiration from Max Payne. You can quite literally hear it. Like there are sound effects that are lifted from the game, I swear. Um, <laughs> that's, that's the most jarring thing for me. Uh, but even so, the character that alan wake writes in this fictional world is very obviously a homage to 
Alan Wake, uh, not Alan to, to Max Payne. Uh, just like his, the, this fictional character's backstory and everything, uh, even like the stories that are being written here, it, you can tell that Alan Wake is pretty much writing Max Payne, but not writing Max Payne in this world. <laughs> so that that was a nice nod as well too. Uh, I've been playing Ring Fit Adventure as well. Uh, still playing that. I I had to stop it for a few weeks, unfortunately, because you know covid uh but i'm getting right back on it so this week i've started playing it again and uh still i tell people the hardest game i've ever played because uh yo that game makes you move makes you sweat and everything uh and then like i said i played a little bit of brothers in arms and has that been it yeah it's been about it haven't really played anything else on the switch i've been picking up games on the switch but i haven't played anything there so i'm kind of going through the time right now where i i will switch and i don't mean like nintendo switch but i'll kind of just switch back and forth like i'll play on the switch for a while then i'll play on my other consoles for a while like i'll just be like i feel like playing on xbox and ps5 so uh, that's also kind of why i don't get rid of these systems either when i'm not using them it's like yeah i might not be using it for like a year or maybe even two years but i am going to eventually use it again <laughs> So yeah, those are the games that I've been playing here. Had a had a lot of good times with that. Either way, uh, that is about the end of this episode here. Did go over an hour, getting close to almost an hour, 30 minutes, but uh, we're not going to be going that far. We're still going to, I'll give you guys some, uh, guys and girls, some of your time back here. So I'm trying to think of a good keyword for the end of this. How about uh, the word flash? In case you don't know, I try and use a keyword or a key phrase at the end of these episodes, and if you use that keyword or key phrase in a comment on the YouTube upload, I'll know that you've made it to the end of this episode. So yeah, how about that? If you use the word flash in the comment section, I'll know that you've made it to the end. Anyways, that is about it for this episode of Mario's Minute. I hope you all enjoyed it. I hope you all really liked listening to it. I hope you were entertained by it all. And, uh, you know, sh- share some of your stories, maybe. What What do you think of Max Payne? Do you love, do you hate it? I, I, I don't know. I don't know of anybody who hates Max Payne, actually. I don't know of anybody who hates Max Payne. It's like, uh, I don't know. You don't hear about people who hate dogs. Like, who hates dogs? Like, you could not be, maybe not have a preference for dogs. They could not be your favorite. But uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look at you a little differently if I find out that you hate dogs. <laughs> Anyways, uh, that's about it for this episode. Seriously. This is Mr. Mario signing off. Thank you all for listening and watching, everyone. And until next month.